Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you at our first service, 9 a.m. service. Happy New Year to each and every one of you. I'm so excited. I really am. I am very excited about this uh, next coming year. I I feel like I'm entering it with a a sense of anticipation that uh, 2020 is going to be the best year that our churches uh, ever had. And let me tell you, after 83 years, we look after at our past, 83 years, we've had a lot of great, blessed. Uh, fantastic, incredible years, but I still believe that the best is yet to come for all of us, and that's what I've been sensing. I hope you're sensing and praying for the same thing as we enter in this new year. As we've just wrapped up an incredible year of 2019, I just want to say, I look back, I was just kind of reflecting and and seeing what God has done. I mean, the multiple uh, salvations, people who gave their life to Christ, those who who made a public declaration of baptism and said, I I want people to know I'm a follower of Jesus. Those who have been very intentional with uh, developing their spiritual life. Uh, I, I just recently heard someone say, I finally finished New Through 30. You remember, we started that in January, reading through the New Testament in 30 days. And, and I said, some of you may take uh, 40 days or 50 days or 90 days or 120 days. And when someone came up and told me that just a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, that's fantastic. And so we look back, and it's been really an, an incredible year. In fact, I looked at uh, the month of December and noticed that the attendance here was just mind-boggling at times, and, and the giving, like you have been over the top, extremely generous. Uh, we were able to end the year really, really strong, the best actually we've ever had here in the history of our church, which allows us to really enter two, uh, two, uh, 2020 with a lot of gusto. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for inviting and sharing and, and giving to make a difference in our, in our own city. Thank you so much for getting behind the mission, uh, the main thing that we do here, which is connecting people to Jesus and to one another. And for those who may be new among us here this morning, we certainly want to extend to you a very warm welcome. Thank you for being here. For those who are joining us online, a warm welcome to you from wherever you may be watching as well. For those who are here this morning, though, you realize you have perfect attendance already for 2020 which is pretty exciting, a great way to start off the year. At the beginning of every year, oftentimes we will take stock. We take stock of our lives and ask questions like, am I on the right track? Does life really matter? Like, what does God want for me and from me? And we ask it again at the beginning of next year, and we'll ask it again in two years from now, and we'll ask it again in three years from now. Uh, we don't often think of that question in the middle of summer. When we're at the beach or on vacation or at the cottage, we don't often think of that maybe in the middle of October. But at the beginning of a new year, those are the times that we ask those questions. Uh, am I doing the right thing with my life? Does my life matter? Am I making a difference on, in this world? Does my life even count? Is it important? They're really, they're great questions and great questions to ponder. I mean, what am I going to do with my life? We really have just 
we have only uh, one shot at it. That's the truth. I just read this week that the average person has 25,550 days. And then it's done. I was thinking about time, and uh, this week I was reminded I got a gift from my mom. Most people know that I love watches, and I like big watches. So she got me a big watch, mainly to protect the congregation. She said, Donald, their, their time is valuable. You're taking way too much of it. And so, but I was thinking about that with 25,550 days, and then it will be over. So what do we want to do with that time? It's a precious, econ- uh, a precious resource. Uh, probably the, the most precious resource that we have is our time. And so with this precious, beautiful life that we have, what are we going to do with it? Um, a few months ago, I asked you as a congregation to help me um, develop a, a series that we're going to, that we're calling, that you ask for it. Questions that you may have about, you know, life or the Bible or culture or church or what's happening in the world. And, and let me tell you, those questions that came in, is, there's this huge spectrum covering all the different areas. In fact, let me just share a few with you. I just brought a couple here that you filled out. Here are some of the questions that you've asked. And we're going to deal with some of these. One is, how do I respond to all the social issues in this world without coming across judgmental? It's a good question. Uh, Is hell a real place or just a way to scare people to follow Jesus? Is this world coming to the end like the Bible talks about? Uh, How am I expected to live a moral and ethical life when everything around me is not that way? How do we respond to the gender crisis that my generation is facing? How do I know if the Bible is really true? Why should I pray if God already knows what's going to happen? What is truth? It seems very subjective. You have your truth, and I have my truth. Uh, Does it really matter how I live my life? If Jesus forgives everything, then why should it matter if I drink, smoke, and live it up? What exactly is the purpose of my life? What is God's will for me? And, And a lot more questions. And so I said what we would do is we would take the most commonly asked questions, and we'll talk about that. So over the next eight weeks, we are going to be addressing some of the questions that you have asked as a congregation. We're going to dive into it for the next eight weeks. And uh, the last week will be the most asked question we'll deal with in week number eight. But for this week, we're going to address the question that was asked, by people in our congregation, really, Donald, like, how do I find purpose in my life? Like, why am I actually here? I mean, is there really more to life than just getting up in the morning, go to work, and coming home, and having supper, and going to bed to only do it all over again the next day? 
was I not created for more than that, Donald? Are we just born and then die? Is that it? I brought this along with me. I pulled it out of a, of a drawer. Do you have that drawer in your house that you wonder about? Well, this is what I pulled out. Okay? Now, here's what often happens. We, we pull out some stuff, and, and the first thing that comes out of our mind is like, what is this? What is this stuff for? Why do we even have it? And you're like, it, and you're trying to think, what cord is that to? And why is that light there? And is that a pair of headphones? And are, do they work? Are they broken? Like, you're just like, what's the purpose of these things? And what you tend to want to do is just, just throw it out. And then you just know, once you throw it out, about 12 years later, you're going to want to know where that extension cord was or that, that plug. We don't know what they're for until we know what they're connected to. You know, somebody may come up to, oh, Donald, Donald that's, the, um, that's the light that's supposed to replace the one that goes under the counter. See, someone tells me the purpose, and I know what it's there for. But lots of times... If we don't know what it connects to, we don't know the purpose of those items in the drawer. Samuel Clemens. Do you know Samuel Clemens? Everybody know him? I bet you do. A.K.A. Mark Twain. Mark Twain said this. The two most important days of your life is when you were born and when you discover your purpose. Think about that. Two most important days of your life. When you're born and when you discover your purpose. A, a few years back, a, a book hit the New York best, uh, New York's bestsellers list. Uh, it took the world by storm. Secular and sacred bookstores could not keep the book uh, on the shelf. It was uh, 32 million copies were made. Uh, translated into 85 languages. You probably know the book. It's called The Purpose Driven life. Uh, I remember reading it years ago. I remember in our small group having studies about it and asking the question, can our lives really be driven by purpose? And the opening line, I thought this was interesting, chapter one, opening line, and it kind of may take you by surprise. It's written by Rick Warren. He says, life Opening line, first line, is not about you. It's like, what? I'm trying to find purpose in my life. What do you mean it's not about me? I just want to read the paragraph to you uh, this morning. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dream and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet... You must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. And the search for the purpose of life has puzzled people for thousands of years because we typically begin with the wrong starting point, ourselves. I want to talk to you about living a better life. A purpose-filled life. 
You know, I know we often will say, well, I'm feeling good, I'm looking good, and I got the goods. But that doesn't cut it. What I've noticed, a good life is actually not good enough. Even if you have lots of money and, and fame and, and lots of friends, there's, there's this emptiness. And if I really knew that there was a better life than just the good life, I, I would want to know about it. Uh, people will say to me, Donald, I am so exhausted with this life. Like, I'm exhausted, I'm overloaded, I'm overwhelmed. I've been going really hard at it for a long time, and I just can't keep up with the pace. And what we discover is that exhaustion will often lead to a feeling of emptiness. And when you are exhausted, you start asking these questions. What is the meaning of all this? Why am I not more satisfied? Why am I not more fulfilled? If I got it so good, <laughs> why is there feeling that I'm missing something? Like, what is missing in my life? And then when you feel exhausted, you, you start feeling enslaved. Uh, enslaved to keep up with the things that we have. You know, maybe slaves to addiction, slave to a job, slave to your schedule. We'd soon discover that the good life is not quite good enough. A better life is knowing your purpose. A better life is actually knowing your purpose. See, some people get confused with a full life versus a meaningful life. See, a meaningful life is not just an add-on uh, to your current life. It's really the new and improved life when you have purpose. So why am I here? Well, like, what is my purpose? You know, maybe you're facing retirement in the next year or two years, and you ask that question, what, what's going to be my purpose then? Like, what, what's the future then? And if we want to know our purpose. Like if we really want to know, and we got to go to the one who designed purpose. Which we believe is God. That he designed each one of us on purpose, for purpose, and with a purpose. A few weeks ago, uh, we took some time and looked at a verse uh, very familiar to a lot of people. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. Let me just read it to you again. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. God speaks into our world and says, I have plans for you. <laughs> I have plans for your family. I have plans for your college years. I have plans for your marriage. I have plans for your retirement. I have plans for you following the death of your spouse. I have plans for you following that devastating divorce that you went through. I have plans for you while you're in high school. I have plans for you while you're in middle school. I have plans for you. That's what, that's what God says. And if God has a plan, 
then we have a purpose. If God has a plan, then we have a purpose. And for us to figure out what that is, I think we're going to have to lean into God. If we're going to understand really our design and our purpose. Like I said earlier, every time we go through transitions, like we have in the last week here of, of a new year, we ask those questions. Why am I here? What is my purpose in 2020? Let me share with you a few things that I believe are, are universal truths when it comes to purpose. One is it does not matter if you are young or old. It doesn't matter if you're in middle school or at university. It doesn't matter if you're single or married. It doesn't matter if you're working or retired. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. These truths apply to everyone. We were created for purpose, on purpose, with a purpose. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it says, so, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. God's purpose for you and for me is his, his glory. That's the number one purpose for our lives. Let me look at it again. Whatever, whether you eat or drink, like whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. A lot of years ago, in the church, there was this divide between preachers and everyone else. Somehow, it creeped into the church that there was the super spiritual people and then everyone else. And, and, and that was one of the reasons why church leaders didn't want to have the, the Bible translated into the language of the people to keep the separation. There's us and then there's them. There's the sacred, and then there's the secular. But then the Reformation, it hit the church, and, and things began to change, and it was no longer us and them, it was all of us. There was no longer this uh, sacred and, and secular things. Everything could be a spiritual act of worship. And that really, when you think about it, is mind-boggling. The simple things of everyday life can be an act of worship. When I drink my coffee, when I go for a walk, when I'm on my lawn, when I'm working on a spreadsheet at, at the office, when I'm working on the construction site, whatever I do, it can be an act of worship. Years ago, when I was growing up in church, in the old days, the questions that we would ask in high school, when I was in high school, was, am I in God's will? Am I in God's will? And then to complicate it more when I was growing up, the question was, not am I just in God's will, am I in the center of God's will? And you'd be like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Am I just in his will, or am I in the center of his will? And so this morning, I, I want us to be able to answer 
one of these questions about our life. Like, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for your life? I don't think God is interested in just playing games with us. He's not interested in us just being in limbo and not knowing the purpose of life. In Colossians, it gives us kind of a, a biblical answer to those questions. So if you have your Bibles, I'll encourage you to just quickly look over. If you don't have your Bibles, it should be also on the screen. But in Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, I'll pick it up in verse 15. It says, he is the image of the invisible God. Who's the he? It's Jesus. So Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the firstborn. Jesus over all creation. For by Jesus all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by Jesus for Jesus. Jesus is before all things. And in Jesus, all things hold together. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, Jesus might have the supremacy. We are here because Jesus has made us. Primarily, we were created for a person, by a person, created for Jesus, by Jesus. And Jesus is to get the supremacy. I mean, Jesus is the one who's supposed to get all the applause. Jesus is the one who we all encore, encore. Jesus is the one we would say at church should get all the glory. That's the purpose of our life. That's actually God's will for our life. Is that we would know him and that we would make him known. This morning. Jesus should be the singular most pursued person in our life if we're going to fulfill our purpose. So whatever happens to me on earth, I was made to know him. He is to have the supremacy in my life so I can get to know him and that others can know him as well. That simplifies for all of us God's will for our life. But some of you I know would say, Donald, it's kind of like super spiritual, isn't it? It's just like that's way too super spiritual. He used to have supremacy in my life. Like, I don't get it. I'm looking for something else. I, I want to know if I'm working at the right job. That's what I want to know. I want to know, should I marry that girl or wait for someone else? I, I just want to know, should I um, go to this university or go to that university? I, I just want to know, should I date this guy or not date this guy? I want to know, should I... Um, have more children or not have more children? Am I supposed to take that job offer in Nova Scotia or the one in Moose Jaw or that really good one in Victoria?
Victoria. Like, what am I supposed to do? Donald, I feel like you're giving me all this mumbo-jumbo spiritual talk. But here's what I discovered. You can choose the right college. Choose the right degree. You can find the right guy to marry. You can take the job at the law firm that you've always dreamed about. You can have your 2.5 children, but still not know why you were here. Well, God's will is for you. See, oftentimes when we talk about God's will and God's purpose, we, we always seem to connect it with a, a vocation, a location, a relationship, a husband, a wife, a child, a season, or the next season. We, we connect it oftentimes to temporal things. But God's will is so much bigger whether we take the job in Nova Scotia or the one in Moose Jaw. You were created to know God and to make him known. Through our lives, our lives are to, to basically yell out, encore for Jesus. Our lives are supposed to be, whoo-hoo, yes, the applause goes to Jesus. And through our lives, that's the purpose of our life, is to bring glory to Jesus. When you look over at Colossians, if you have your Bible still open there, I just want you to flip over to Colossians, actually, chapter 3. A very interesting a statement that the Apostle Paul makes in Colossians chapter 3. We can find it again here. In 3.17. And whatever you do, whether in word or do, uh, um, indeed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul is going to open this huge floodgate of opportunities and possibilities to be in God's word. When you hear um, me say or anyone say that our purpose is to know God and to make him know, known, you may immediately think, oh, that means I got to be a pastor then. Oh, I got to be a worship leader. I got to be a foreign missionary for those things to happen. Verse 17, actually, it's a game changer because it says, whatever you do, whatever you do. Say it with me, whatever you do. It seems to me that God is opening a huge doorway of opportunity for us. You see what the Apostle Paul just did here? He made a, a huge shift in the conversation from what I should do to why I should do what I do. That's what's under the microscope. Not, not what I'm going to do, but why I'm going to do what I'm going to do. See, each of us, we're wired very different. We have different abilities. We have different passions. And I feel like God says, go do it. But do it for the glory of God. Because that's the grand purpose of your life. If you own a boutique, do it for the glory of God. If you own a hot dog stand, do it for the glory of God. If you own a fish and chip truck, well then do it for the glory of God. So you can have a passion for teeth and do it 
for the glory of God. So Paul opens this door. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Because it's not so much what you do, it's why you do what you do. Uh, the truth of it is a lot of you have a lot of passion in you. And it's not to be a pastor. It's not to be a worship leader. It's not to be a foreign missionary. It's not to be in some uh, Christian ministry. Some of you have these passions inside you to fix a car because you're good at it. You love it. You live and breathe it. Uh, some of you are passionate about coming up with a cure for something. Uh, some of you are passionate about, I want to have my own electrical business. Uh, some of you are just passionate, I, I, want, I want to be able to raise a family. And God says, whatever you do, go for it. But do it for the glory of God. I think God releases you to run after those abilities and passions that he's birthed inside of you. Because it's not a, what a man or woman does that determines if it's sacred or secular. It is why he does what he does. See, the motive is everything. So you can enter the business world. You can enter the entertainment world or, or the arts or education or travel, and you can, you can, in fact, do this uncommon, supernatural, God-honoring thing with your life. And here's the reality. A pastor is probably not going to show up at your place of business. You're not going to hear over the PA system, hey, all employees, attention all employees, at 1.30 a pastor is going to be in the lobby and he is going to be doing stuff for the glory of God. Please come. You know, a pastor not most likely going to show up at your classroom in school. But you will. You're going into all the seams of culture. And you, you can know God. And have God known right where you are. See, that's the beauty of who God is wants to be working in certain places. Because it's not about what you do. It's about why you do. Now, I also think that Colossians 3.17, okay, I admit, also closes a few doors. Not everything you can do be done in the name of Jesus. I mean, if you're really, really good at fraud, I mean, if you're really, really passionate about taking advantage of people and you're good at it, well, you're probably going to have to stop that this year. Because you most likely can't do that kind of work in the name of Jesus and giving thanks to God. But I do believe that, that this verse here opens a wide door of opportunities for all of us. So when I think about what is it that keeps you up at night, what, what you get you up early in the morning, then I say, hey, do it. But do it for the glory of God. In 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, in fact, if you have your Bibles, you can flip over there right now. Philippians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, 17, and 18. 
Some translations say rejoice always. Others say be joyful always. Pray continuously. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What is it that brings you joy? What is it that fills your cup? I really think that what we do operating out of joy is part of God's will. That, that as followers of Jesus, that we would be joy-filled people in this pursuit of bringing glory to God. In Ephesians, uh, just back, I know I get you turning a lot of pages here, but in Ephesians, in chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do you and i were created for good works now I, I think that reflects our life in every area so if you want to be a lawyer great do it for the glory of god and do it with excellence if you're a cement worker then do it with excellence if you're a student don't be satisfied with b if you can do an a like because you want to do your best that's what we've been called to do I um, recently I don't know when my, saw this, and it was actually very helpful to me. It's called the sweet point of purpose. The sweet point of purpose. You probably have seen, obviously, this diagram before. And so we're talking about purpose for our lives. Like, why am I here? What does God want from me? Well, one thing we know, what God wants, what we've been designed for, for purpose, is God's glory, right? We've talked about that. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it for God's glory. And then it seems, again, we're talking about the sweet spot of purpose. If what you can do can also, this is fading fast as marker, bring you joy. That's what I love. See, see, some people think that these are enemies of each other. Some people think, well, God's glory uh, doesn't include my joy. And then you say, well, Don, what do you mean joy? I, I mean, look at the John the Baptist. Look at how his life turned out. See, there's a big difference between joy and happiness, right? Happiness changes marriages. Happiness changes jobs. Joy is very different. It can be selfless suffering, actually. So these two, actually, God's glory and your joy can be friends. They're not meant to be to enemies. And then... Um, for the world's good. There's a sweet spot. We know our lives are designed to bring God glory. That was why we were created in the first place. 
created on purpose, for purpose, with purpose. God's glory. But I also believe that with God's glory, you're passionate, it can bring you joy. And we're told that everything, it's God's will that we would do good works. This is the sweet spot, isn't it, right here. When it all comes together. It's a sweet spot of purpose. When our lives are lived for the glory of God and what we do fills us with joy, we're passionate about something, and then the result is for the world's good. When our lives are living out this, God's glory, joy, and good, it's the sweet spot of your life. That's living on purpose. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you living on purpose? And are you living in this sweet spot of purpose. And if you're not, then want to ask yourself, what adjustments do I need to make? What adjustments do I need to make? Because we were created with purpose. It's not about what you do, it's about how you do what you do. So don't ever doubt, don't ever doubt that you have not been created with purpose. Don't let anyone ever say to you, oh, you are a mistake. No way, because God had a plan for you long before you ever took your first breath. You have been created for purpose, with purpose. And the implications can be very practical. This can be done as an individual. It can be done as a couple. This can be done as a family. This can be done as a business to live for God's glory and for our joy and for the world's good. That's that sweet spot of purpose where I believe that you and I were meant to live. Do we need to make some adjustments so we can live in that sweet spot that God created us for? If you're here this morning and you're like, Donald, I, uh, I think I do need to make some adjustments. I'm going to let you know we're, <laughs> we'd love to be here and pray with you and encourage you and, and help you. But the reality is, you know, maybe you're here this morning. You can't live this. You can't live this. Because you don't know Jesus. <laughs> See, without knowing Jesus, you can't live this. And so as simple as sitting in your seat this morning, you could invite Jesus to come into your life and take it over. You know, maybe you're just tired of living this life the way you've been living it. 
maybe you're here and you realize there is more to what I've been living. Well, if you don't know Jesus, it starts there. So I would invite, I would encourage you, invite him into your life this morning. Pray, God, would you come into my life and take it over? I'm not interested in just living a good life. I want the better life. I want the life that is lived on purpose. And not only do I want to live it on purpose, God, I want to live in that sweet spot of purpose that you've been created me for. Let's pray. Father, this morning we um, just want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord, that when you created us, you had a plan. Like you had a plan for us. Lord, I, I don't know. I don't know what people what's going on inside of their hearts and minds this morning, but you do. And so, Lord, it's quite possible that there are people here this morning, I, I, you know, believers, those who know you as their Savior, haven't really fully grasped the whole idea of living on purpose, what we have been created for. for. And so, Lord, in the quietness of this moment, would you just continue to speak into our lives challenge us if all we're living for is more stuff God life is so much more it's so much bigger than that and then Lord uh, this morning I hope that these words will encourage those in the businesses that they work in Lord whether it's collecting garbage for the city whether it's cutting hair at a beauty salon. Lord, that all of it can be done for the glory of God. And Lord, as we live out our lives and we do those things that we're gifted and passionate about, I, I pray, God, that it that would really bring joy because we know God's glory and our joy are not enemies, they're friends, actually. And then, Lord, the fact that our lives could count for something bigger than just us, that what we do could help this world. Lord, that we would learn to live in the sweet spot of purpose this morning. And then, Lord, it's always good to examine our lives and to see where do I stand before you. Lord, when you're in a room with a few hundred people, there's always bound to be someone who doesn't know you personally. Now they know a lot of things. They might even know church life. But they don't know you, so therefore they can't live this sweet spot of purpose. So Lord, as they reflect and, and examine their lives today, if they find themselves not in a relationship with you, our prayer is that they would call out to you who, by the way, is always listening. Always listening. We're so thankful for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the things that we do as a church, as a part of the family, is once a month, we just kind of like to slow things down. 
reflect, ponder. You know, where, where do we stand before God? We've just come off a really busy season of Christmas. You know, many of you have had family and friends and it's just like, go, 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 go. So it's good. Maybe just slow things down this morning. And so what we're going to do this morning as we share the Lord's Supper, we call the Lord's Supper communion together, is where we just do some examining of our own lives. Where are we? You know, maybe sin has crept into our life. This is a great time right now to say, you know, Lord, you remember the other day? I just want to get that straightened out. You know, that relationship, like, that needs to be dealt with. And so this is a good time in the quietness of this, just to do some self-examination. Now, if you don't know Jesus, this is really designed for those who know Jesus. Because uh, the, the, the wine, the, the bread is to, well, it's to help us to remember the broken body of Jesus and, and the blood, his life that was given for us and to give him thanks for it. So if you don't know Jesus, that's okay. We're glad that you're here. But feel free to let that go you know, by you. And uh, let's just take some time this morning and uh, reflect where we stand before Christ. I'll invite our servers to come now. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com. There's no